I'm Bill Lawrence, and welcome to another edition of My Big Bag of Onions. Each show is a carefully curated selection of undeservedly unfamiliar songs and a dozen brand new short stories written exclusively for Colm Radio and especially for this show by you, our listeners. So it's time for you to sit back because this is Bill's Big Bag of Onions. That Doesn't Rock by Ian Hornet. In my attic, tucked away under a dusty cloth, is my old rocking horse. Brought into this world by a Victorian, she's a long way past her best. Her dazzling trappings are fading away. The once flowing white mane is straggling and grey. Her markings haggard and worn. Abandoned and lacking sunlight, she's no longer saddled with great expectations, the Miss Havisham of the equestrian world. Yet there's hope, for she shares my dark attic with others discarded and unloved my collection of 70s LPs. And just like Shawaddy Waddy and Elvis, the horse that doesn't rock might well rock again.
to count them But tonight was something new And I know you felt it too When we fell into the passion of a kiss Around the world We've shared these roads together Every journey is grand When you're holding my hand Do friends fall in love like this? A love that once was merely warm Now blazes with an ardent desire A touch that once was just a touch Burns hotter than a five-alarm fire Oh, say What was innocent before has become a grand amour. Two friends fell in love like this. Phil Boast. I set the kettle to boil. Two minutes of life passes while I wait impatiently for coffee. But I've worked out that I can do other stuff at the same time. I roll a cigarette and stare for a moment at an empty screen before I write this. Multiple time. That's the genius of it and my mind wanders backwards. A billion years of single-celled creatures, give or take, one does not have to be precise about these things, before anything else happened or lived. That's a lot of boiled kettles. I think only nature has that much patience. Whiskey, whiskey, noise in my whiskey, please. 
take a genius to work it out I've had my fair share of conversations With twisted metal and broken glass With lightning, it's gonna strike me twice This time I'm gonna do it right Whiskey, whiskey, noise in my whiskey Whiskey, whiskey, noise in my whiskey, please. I ain't gonna die sober. A remarkable adventure in words and music, where everything you hear is from you, our listeners. This is the Community of Onions on 106.6 FM Colm Radio. Except no inferior onions, because only the best will do. Amy's Blink by Steve Gow Amy pressed her cheek against the sun-baked stone wall of her grandfather's farmhouse. This angle provided an optimised view of the wall-mounted homemade device which allured an endless supply of flies with its buzzmerizing stickiness. Caught in the moment, Amy gazed dispassionately as the tiny, funny, hopeless creatures endeavoured to reach further into the tempting deliciousness. Trapped in the sweet adhesive, they slowly descended the conical death slide into their liquid grave where the bodies of hundreds and hundreds of their hive-minded friends slowly decomposed in an exoskeletal soup of tiny limbs, compound eyes and hairy tubular mouth parts. Eventually, Amy blinked.
Amelia's Foot by Tony Pierce. Amelia was mystified to discover a foot in the fridge, sitting between some camembert and a yoghurt. She was certain she hadn't seen it earlier, when she'd lovingly placed her slice of caramel cheesecake there. She picked up the foot and sniffed tentatively. It held little aroma. Next, she looked for distinguishing features, in this case, stubby toes and excess hair. She shrugged and popped it back in the fridge. Someone else could deal with it. She stuck a post-it note on the foot, asking who it belonged to. It was probably the scoundrel who'd stolen her cheesecake. You're always gonna play with fire You say you never love again Never pick yourself up from the mud again But when push comes to shove again I know you close your eyes and jump right in Cause it just tastes so good And it feels the way it should So with your fingers crossed You knock on wood You found the love that you knew you could it's always gonna be the same You love and you lose and you love again Your heart gets bruised and scarred again You pick yourself up and you charge back in Never gonna learn from it And you ache with the twists and the turns of it It's a beautiful flame and you burn with it You're always gonna play with fire Well you're always gonna play with fire you're always gonna play with fire Once bitten and you're twice shy See, no more mist and nice guy Keep your heart hidden and your face dry You're never gonna fail if you don't try But it just feels so right To have someone who holds you tight So keep your fingers crossed and you knock on wood You finally find the love that you knew you could all Well, it's always gonna be the same You love and you lose and you love again Your heart gets bruised and scarred again You pick yourself up and you charge back in No, you're never gonna learn from it And you ache with the twists and the turns of it It's a beautiful flame and you burn with it You're always gonna play with fire, no, no Yeah, you're always gonna play with fire, no, yeah you're always gonna play with fire, oh You're always gonna play with fire You're always gonna play with fire listening to Bill's Big Bag of Onions, an extraordinarily tasty and chewy pot 
of wonderful stories and blended music chosen and written by our own community here at 106.6 FM Com Radio. Go on, love my onions. I know I do. Chain Reaction by Bill Lawrence Sometimes, when the wind has dropped and I am lying awake in my bed, I can hear the chains being dragged across the bedroom floor next door. Then there is a rustling noise, as if these chains are being piled together. Sometimes I am sure I hear moaning and protesting. I heard the chains again last night, and his voice shouting. A heavy door slammed, then car doors, before its engine disappeared into the night. Then I heard laughing, then sobbing, then silence. At daybreak, my wife returned. She put the chains back under our bed. From fruit trees bowed down in autumn heat, drag golden hills, laurel floating on the breeze. From rumbling earth and seismographs, suspension bridges that bow and sway. I come from the ashes of what was it? Was he prepositioning her? By Rob Lewis. The Italian student was incensed as she sat down in Mr. Phillips's English language class. They were mostly au pairs, and they usually had fun and shared a joke along with the present perfect tense and collocations. But something was eating Giovanna. What's the matter? asked Mr. Phillips. Oh, you English are so rude, the girl pouted. The bus driver asked me personal question. He wants to know if I love some boy. 
What did he actually say? Asked the concerned teacher. He said to me, Are you in love? Really, this is not possible. The teacher understood and smiled. to fall in love with a cartoon character, not even a living actor to attach my affection to, just a 
disembodied voice. You knew loyalty and betrayal. You risked life and limb time and again for people you barely knew. You grew in strength and courage because your honorable heart and the circumstances demanded it. We, Jedi, are supposed to be peacekeepers. I've only ever been a soldier. You gazed one last time at your lightsaber, let it fall to the ground, and walked away. Go in peace, Asokotano. We know the Force is with you. You could speak for an hour And I wouldn't care There's a million different words But still I haven't heard The one that I deserve I waited for a lifetime But still it never came I'd love until I'd ache I'd bend until I'd break And you just stayed the same You told me you're lonely But I'm happy by myself Cause you're only sorry For you Bag of Onions on 106.6 FM Colm Radio. Innovative voices and original stories making our unique community. No onions have been hurt in the making of this programme. Ball Breaker by Bill Faust. Eric's blind date had a reputation as a ball-breaker, a feminist with high feminist ideals. And as he waited, he prepared himself for dungarees and sensible shoes, and to look beyond mere superficial physical appearance to the person which lay beyond. When she appeared, she was utterly stunning, wearing high heels and a skirt which barely justified the description. Hi, I'm Ellen. You must be Eric. A voice which could melt ice from 50 paces. And Eric decided that, looking beyond mere superficial physical appearance to the person which lay beyond, was going to be harder than he thought.
Big Nest by Jenny Miller. I flew into the big animal's nest by mistake. It's closed on top but open at the sides. Its wings are shriveled like long stumps. I don't understand how it gets up there so high. Its feathers change colour every day. There are some tiny trees in there, but not enough to provide seeds for a large creature. I was hoping to see some massive, enormous eggs. When I tried to leave through the side exit, I banged my head on nothing. It made a hole in the hard sky that's not there. So I was able to fly out. In Peace by Adrian Cohen I ran my hand over the patch of soil and stewed. The funeral had been fractious. My wife and I squabbled after parking so far from the entrance to the family's private cemetery. My overheated children squabbled in their awkward formal clothes. My mother-in-law squabbled with me about her disappointing grandchildren. My sister and I squabbled because I'd been nice to her husband with whom she'd been feuding over nothing. Even the priest was scowling. Away from the group, squatting on the patch of soil the family had already designated for me, I thought, they'll bury me here one day. You have been listening to 100-word-long microfictions written exclusively for Colm Radio by 
Ian Hornet, Phil Boast, Steve Gow, Tony Pierce, Bill Lawrence, Rob Lewis, Paul Hooper, Bill Faust, Jenny Miller, and Adrian Cohen. And so that's all we have time for for this edition of the show. If you would like to contribute an onion, just get in touch, either with Com Radio or via the Bill's Big Bag of Onions Facebook page. And remember, the stories must be exactly 100 words long. So join us again soon, on a Tuesday or a Sunday evening, for the next edition of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Be seeing you. Productions present From Colchester to Sulawesi, written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher. Episode 5 First Stone. We're back in Sulawesi now, staying at the usual hotel. And this has been an interesting week. We'd sent the drawings ahead of us, and they had arrived in Minado, where Oni lives, which, given the vagaries of the Indonesian postal service around here, was in itself no small thing, and Oni had presented the plans to the mayor's office. The drawings were beautifully presented. A plan view in front, rear and side elevations, all nomenclature being written by Martin in English. The officials in the mayor's office would not have understood a word of it, but were, it seems, impressed, and when asked why the English, Oni was able to tell them that they were drawn by an international architect, which seemed to further impress them. In any case, the requisite amount of money having changed hands, we have our building consent and we may build our lodge, which means that we may, and indeed, must erect a board on site proclaiming this right, including the all-important building consent number. By now we have a few words of Indonesian. It would perhaps have been a sensible thing for us to have enrolled on a course in Indonesian back home, but since sensible is not the first word which springs to mind with any of this, it is very much in the spirit of things that we did not. We can manage good morning, or good afternoon, or how are you, and today it is hot. This last one being somewhat academic, since every day here it is hot. We can also count in Indonesian, but that's about the extent of it. And, in any case, in this state of linguistic preparedness, we are introduced to the man who will oversee the building of our lodge, whose name is Mr. Yan. Mr. Yan can't speak any English either, so let's see how this goes. We've been back to the village, and it just feels so right. And I'm now completely convinced we have made the right decision. The enthusiastic waving from all of the villagers as we drive past their humble abodes makes us feel so welcome. And the entourage of village children in their brightly coloured clothes, which follows us so enthusiastically wherever we go, is so lovely. It was a very pleasant surprise to find that the villagers have cleared our land of wild vegetation. And Marwin's banana plantation is no more. 
So, for the first time, we get a proper feel of what we have bought. I can now so easily imagine standing in the early morning tropical sunshine on one of the lodge's upstairs balconies, taking in the view across the Celebes Sea to the islands beyond. Excitingly, we can also now get an idea of the size of the lodge, as Mr. Yan has marked out with string the outline of where the building will be. And rather fortunately, it actually fits on the area of flat land before the land slopes down to the water's edge. Even a length of trench has been dug for the foundation, which we discover has been done for a very particular reason. While we are here, a special ceremony has been organised. Phil and I, so in fact Phil, since he knows about this kind of thing, must lay the first foundation stone. The owner must do this to ensure good fortune and so that the building can be blessed in order to stop evil spirits from entering the lodge at any time during or after its construction. Our time spent in the village is so worthwhile as it gives us a chance to meet or at least smile at some of the people who live there and get a better feel for that which we hope may one day become our home. Although it's primarily a fishing village, pigs and chickens roam freely everywhere as well as dogs, which, despite appearances, all belong to someone and are kept more for vermin control and for security than anything else and are in any case mostly, it seems, left to scavenge for themselves. The village is so hospitable, offering us extremely sweet coffee at every house we visit, usually accompanied by equally sweet but delicious homemade cakes, round coconut balls which sort of explode as you bite into them, oozing palm sugar, or rice cakes cooked in banana leaves, these being two particular favourites. Neither Phil nor I take sugar in coffee, nor are we used to such sweet delicacies, so the sugar hit can sometimes be difficult to deal with. And we are a novelty, being the first white people to come to the village. The bravest children follow us everywhere, and the more shy amongst them observe us from behind half-closed doors as we walk around, getting to know the place better and coming to terms with the strangeness of it all, which apparently applies both ways. We get used to the children shouting, Hello, mister! this being about the extent of their English, whether they're addressing Phil or me. We try to teach them a new word, miss, but it doesn't seem to quite sink in, so hello, mister, it is. One thing that we do notice immediately is that despite the fact that these people live on such meagre income, all of the children are healthy, clean and well turned out, and the people take great care of and pride in themselves and their humble homes and gardens. The dirt and stone road is swept daily outside each house, so whatever else it may be, the village is always very clean.
So then, Mr. Yan is to be our builder, and we have had no choice in the matter. There are no competitive quotations here. In fact, there are no quotations at all, really. A figure of money is vaguely mentioned, which we assume will bear no relation to anything which we will actually pay, and certainly nothing is written down. It will take as long as it takes, and cost as much as it costs. And Mr. Yan seems surprised that we would have expected anything else. We do have a rough idea of how much a skilled worker or labourer will earn in a day, and how much materials will cost per tonne of sand, or per brick, and so on. And these are a small fraction of the costs which one would pay in England. And we intend to finance the entire project from our monthly earnings. This is not a sell-everything-and-move-abroad situation, and we will keep our house in Colchester, so that should anything or everything go disastrously wrong at any time in the future, we could always catch the next plane home and have somewhere to live, much, it must be said, to the relief of our families. We agree with Mr. Yan and with Oni that we will send monthly payments, which Oni will use to buy whatever materials are required, and for Mr. Yan to pay his workers, and thus do we establish our future working relationship. Mr. Yan is quite a large man by Indonesian standards, with a gruff constitution and a ready smile. A bit of a rough diamond, one might say, and we like him on first meeting. He also seems competent enough when going about his work, and looks as though he would be more than able to control his workforce which will, for the most part, be made up of men from the village, specialist tradesmen being brought in as needed. The first stone ceremony was a success, and began with Phil being down in a trench, and looking quite at home there, I must say, holding a bricklaying trowel and a piece of black basaltic stone, which all foundations are made of here. This was rather like home from home to him, as laying stone walls and bricks are two of his favourite commercial occupations, my attempt, I feel, being more of a token, the stone probably being relayed after we left. The village vicar was there, along with Mr. Aris and Mr. Benjamin, the headman, Mr. Yan, several of the villagers, and the odd inquisitive dog. Phil put down a mortar bed on the ancient coral bedrock upon which the village sits, and the vicar and all assembled said prayers in Indonesian, which, of course, we didn't understand. I entered into the spirit of things and said Amen in the appropriate places, whilst Phil ceremoniously placed his piece of stone on its mortar bed, and the Pertama Batu, or first stone, was laid, and the building is thus duly blessed. The ceremony lasted about 20 minutes, during which time Phil busied himself down in the trench, laying a few more stones just for good measure, and just because he was clearly enjoying himself down there. Eventually the prayers were over and all assembled retired to Aris's house where Sulcha, his wife, had prepared more sweet coffee and pizangoreng or fried bananas and various other local delicacies. So it was all rather lovely and the building of our lodge has begun and it now has three dimensions, albeit that they are so far all subterranean. We look forward now to the time that the building makes its way above ground level on its upward journey towards the warm, cloudless, tropical sky. Motherland, cradle me, close my eyes, lullaby me to sleep, keep me safe, lie with me, stay beside me, don't go. Don't you go Listen to the further adventures of Phil and Paula in Indonesia in our next show here on Cone Radio.
Phil's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. 